Welcome to So You Want to Be a Witch, the podcast for soul-centered entrepreneurs and the people who love them. Hello, hello, Sarah M. Chapel here, founder of the Holistic Business Academy. We have some great questions today for free coaching Thursday. We're going to talk about whether you should have Etsy or do a website. Uh, got lots of thoughts on Etsy. Can't wait to share those with you. Uh, we're going to talk about self-confidence and social media promoting and how to promote yourself when you are feeling doubtful um, about your confidence. We are talking about time management when you have a job and how to deal with your business when you are working full time and more. If you are catching this live on Instagram, hey, y'all, thanks for being here live. If you are catching this replay over on the podcast, thank you for listening over on the podcast. Here is how Free Coaching Thursday works. Every Wednesday on Instagram at Sarah M. Chapel, we put up a question sticker box in my Instagram stories saying, uh, come and tell me your questions about business. And then Thursday around 1 p.m. Eastern time, give or take, depending on my schedule, I go live and answer your questions. You can always check out the replays on my Instagram feed. You can also check out the uh, replays over on the podcast. Hello, hello. Hey, Pansy Tarot. You are so welcome. Hello, hello, La Fortuna Tarot. So good to see you all. Yay, I'm so glad you're here. So we have a bunch of questions. I'm going to go ahead and just dive in. But before I do, I wanted to let you know, we are reopening the doors to the Holistic Business Academy, my uh, my community program where we help you to grow a sustainable, supportive business. Yeah, I mean, it's just like this stuff. Hello, hello. So many great people live. Um, I was like, that was a super clear pitch. It's because I'm not my focus right now. What I'm trying to say is that we're reopening the doors on July 13th and to kick it off, to teach you all more about my method, my system, um, the Holistic Business Framework, and to help you decide whether or not the Holistic Business Academy is the next right step for you in your business, we're doing a free training. I am doing a free online training live on July 13th. Uh, You can register for that at holisticbusinessacademy.com forward slash attract. And it is all about how to attract your ideal customers without doing all the fucking things. You all are too busy. (laughs) This is my new, you are too busy doing too many things that are not creating the right impact in your business. I say that with love, but I know because I hear from you, I see you, I watch you. Um, Y'all are are hustling and I really would love us to shift some of that narrative, break out of the hustle, break out of the toxic productivity and into an aligned holistic business. Yes, that means hard work, but it's hard work towards the right things that will actually bring you more customers and ultimately more revenue in your business. So join us live for that, holisticbusinessacademy.com forward slash attract. Reserve your spot. My trainings are fucking awesome. I'm not going to lie. They're really good. We have a really full packed training. And then also... um, I do a great Q&A. So if you like something like Free Coaching Thursday, then you're going to love that as well. We'll stay and answer all your questions about the program, but also about the training itself. So I can walk you step by step through that. Yes, plus a nine to five. I know a lot of you are doing so much and you're working full time or you're doing freelance work. Like, I know it. I've been there. That was the reality for my first couple years of business, too. So we really want to make sure that the actions you're taking are the right ones to attract those ideal customers instead of like, keeping you fucking busy for no reason. No one is paying you to stay busy in your business. It's not that kind of job. (laughs) So we need to break that down. Let's dive into our questions today. So our first question is, is it a better idea to create a website or stick to Etsy? Oof. So y'all know I love, I love talking about platforms. I gotta be upfront though. And I feel like I kind of encourage this, not to you, this specific person. This is a fantastic question. I want to remind you all, 
The platform is not the strategy. This is major, especially when you're starting your business, but this is a shiny object that comes up for everyone. So I want to say this before we talk about the specific question, because I am a platform nerd. I really care about y'all being on the right platforms, the platforms that are going to grow with your business, the platforms that are not like frankly stealing from you with how much they're charging you. Like that's really important to me, but the platform is not the strategy. So what I see happen in general, and again, not necessarily the specific person, if you are new to Free Coaching Thursday, I will use your questions to bounce off in different areas. These are a starting point for me. Um, but often what I see people do is actually get hyper-focused on the platform, on the software, on the whatever, um, and jump around and obsess about that rather than taking the correct actions to grow your business. So this is part of what we'll talk about in my free training. I talk about this a lot, to be honest, but I really wanna highlight it here. Um, that platform selection, whether that is where you're hosting your online store, whether that is where you're hosting your subscription, whether that's what social media you're using, things like that, that can just as easily become a non-revenue generating activity. That is like, like selecting platforms is the same as like tweaking fonts on your website. <laughs> we have to be really mindful of where that energy is coming from, what the decision is, why you're spending time there. Now, I say that with the caveat that I think being on the right platform does matter. It'll probably save you money. It'll make your life easier as your business grows. And I have opinions on this up the fucking wazoo, as you all know. We've talked about uh, coffee slash Ko-Fi and Patreon a lot recently, so I'm excited to get to talk about Etsy. But just be mindful of what is making this happen. Is it because you think you're supposed to do something? Is it because your current thing isn't working? And whether it's social media, whether it's a marketing strategy, whether it's website, Patreon, Etsy, changing platforms is not going to fix your problem if you have a strategy and communication challenge, which is, I'd say, 90% of the challenges that I help people with that I see inside of the Holistic Business Academy, that I see in my one-on-one -on -one coaching, that I see in my group programs, that I just see talking to y'all here on Instagram. Um, it's usually a marketing strategy problem, communication, essentially, and not actually a platform problem. So that is my like massive caveat before we get into my favorite topic ever. And I just need to like be super clear on that. So this is a self-assessment for y'all, especially if you notice yourself being like, oh, I need to learn the new viral dance on TikTok. Oh, there's a new Etsy competitor. Maybe I should test them out, right? Just notice where your brain goes when you are um, procrastinating, frankly. Okay, so here's the deal with Etsy. Etsy is a search engine, okay? And that is the most effective way to think about Etsy. It's really no different than Google um, or uh, YouTube or something like that at the end of the day. People go to Etsy to find things, to find specific things that they desire. Etsy, I actually realized this the other day because I was looking for something very specific. I was looking for an acid green skull I won't tell you the whole story behind that, but I really need an acid green skull. And so I'm Googling to try to find an acid green skull. And in the Google like shop tab are a bunch of Etsy responses, right? That's what Etsy is doing. That is what Etsy is for. It is a search engine to help people find your stuff. The challenges with this are Etsy charges really high fees. They used not to be true. Some of us who are older, especially older and were in Brooklyn at that time, Remember when Etsy was like a, like a very critical part of like crafting. It was a crafting maker startup that gave makers a chance to have online shops when it was really hard to do that. You had to know how to code to create websites like in the 2000s. <laughs> um, you know, so Etsy's like roots are in that and it gets by on that. 
it gets by on the reputation that it created uh, over a decade ago. I can't remember exactly when Etsy came out, but I'm, Etsy came out, but I'm pretty sure it's been around for a decade, give or take. So what has happened since then is, of course, Etsy charges a shit ton of money now. And it's been a minute since I've looked at Etsy, so I apologize if this information is incorrect. I recommend you always look at the fees for any software you're using. Um, but the last 2007, maybe. Yeah, that sounds about right. I feel like that's when I remember going to parties at the McCarran Park pool that was empty and Etsy was sponsoring them. Yes, I am in my mid-30s. You are welcome. So people in Brooklyn in 2007, 2008 will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that was a bit of a deep cut. Um, there, was an, there was an empty pool that they would throw parties in and like have fairs and stuff. And Etsy was like a, like a market, make a maker's fair there. So Etsy basically is still riding off the coattails of that reputation, even though it has changed drastically. And their fees are pretty high. Eighth House Esther said, love it, I was there. Yeah! <laughs> awesome. I am so glad I'm not alone. <laughs> Hanging out in the McCarran pool. <laughs> what, a, what a moment in time. Um, so essentially Etsy's still like riding off of that and it still gets a lot of like, essentially like, like cred for being a, a maker's market online. But of course it's changed. So my understanding is that the fees have gone a lot over the years. I remember there was some uh, controversy around them charging fees on shipping charges, like some wild stuff. So the first thing I have to say with Etsy or any platform is look at the fee structure and see, does it make sense to you? Now, unlike something like Patreon, I know I've been on their ass, but really they, they're just fucking lying. I, uh, they are really acting as if they are um, promoting makers and they're not. Um, this is like my whole, my whole, I know I'm on there. I know I'm on them because I really want them to change. Honestly, that's why I'm ragging on Patreon. I want them to do the right thing. You know, unlike Patreon that's charging you, you know, a percentage fee and not actually doing anything other than providing a software as a service. That's all they're, all Patreon does is give you a way to share content with people that is gated. There are far cheaper ways to do this. I've talked about this at length elsewhere. Um, Etsy is providing a service though because of the search engine element. The fact that Etsy has built up a platform where people will go to find things. And again, I mentioned earlier that really great intersection that they're having with like Google search right now where I went searching for something and ended up on Etsy because Etsy was pushing all of their um, listings to Google. That is probably worth some of the fee. But here's where it gets a little bit tricky whether it's better to create a website or stick to Etsy. I would think of Etsy primarily in its most successful version for a business, first of all, being for people with physical products. I still am not seeing a great market on Etsy for things like tarot readings, for example. I know people do it. Etsy is a place where for things like readings and services, astrology, there seems to be a real race to the bottom in terms of pricing. And I find that very concerning, especially with those fees on top of it. I know people are using that for that platform, so I'm assuming there are people searching for like tarot readings and stuff on there. If you are a service provider who is making something physical from it, for example, let's say maybe you're an astrologer and you're also an artist and you are making um, like beautiful custom um, like natal charts or something, I feel like that could be a good place for Etsy. I think overall the place Etsy is the most effective is with um, physical products because 
Then the comparison point is actually the product itself, how it looks, basically is what people are looking at at Etsy, versus the value of your offer transformation-wise, which is what you're selling with something like a tarot reading. This is a little bit much for me to kind of really break down in this context. If you're, those of you who are holistic, holistic Business Academy members will have heard my spiel inside our framework all about what the transformation is and how to figure out what it is for your offer. But essentially, if your transformation is non-tangible, as in it is, you are helping people to make decisions, you are helping people to align with their path, you are, you know, doing stuff like that, essentially doing like spiritual or healing work, I don't think Etsy is a great use of your time. Because I don't think that, because essentially how it's set up, people are going to be just comparing pricing. They're not going to be um, introduced to the true value of your work. Now, if you make physical products, I do think Etsy can be very valuable because of that search engine factor. So what I'm getting at long, 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 long through this is that I think that as a essentially what I'm going to call a top of funnel strategy, that means where people are initially finding your business, Etsy works well for makers, for people with physical products because of the search engine, because it has this existing ecosystem of clients. Um, and even though those fees are high, Etsy does actually help people to find you. Now, keep in mind, like, I know Etsy has ads on its own platform now. Amazon does the same thing. So they now make more money off of you if you like run ads and stuff. But regardless, I think that could be useful. However, I would not want to keep them on Etsy because of those fees. I would want to get them onto your own website. So yes, I think it is a fantastic idea to have your website. Person who submitted this question, I'm not sure if you uh, make physical products or if you're a reader or a healer or what exactly you're selling. But even if you have physical products, Having Etsy as essentially a, a top of funnel where people are meeting you, where they are finding you, again, search engine, it's like Etsy is an SEO search engine optimization platform, 110%. Um, I'll get to your question just a second, Massey. The short answer is there isn't anything, and I don't recommend it. I don't. <laughs> um, so the essentially top of funnel, and then you need to get them on your mailing list. I don't, I am assuming you can access email through Etsy, I really hope so, um, essentially your customer list, you need to add them to your mailing list and then start getting them to buy off of your own website where it costs less um, and where you are controlling that dynamic. So I would think very much essentially is Etsy as advertising where you are paying on the back end when somebody actually purchases. It's almost more of like a more of like an affiliate program, honestly. That I think is the best use of Etsy. Um, we do have a question here live. What would you recommend for someone who offers non-physical services like tarot or coaching that works like Etsy? The short answer is there isn't anything. There are definitely platforms. They're not really software platforms like Etsy is. Etsy is, is kind of a search engine software platform. There are platforms of like essentially like promos or um, oh, I just saw someone the other day open one up for reference. Maybe it's the Witch's Confluence. Um, I'm not exactly sure what they're doing with that, but essentially there are websites that will kind of like vet people and you can go and be like listed in their database, right? So like for Holistic Business Academy members, we have a database where you can list your business and then go search and check out other people's businesses. That I think can be useful. I'm wary of fees about that. I don't know how effective they really are at making recommendations outside of the context of community. Like I know people in HBA get business from being in HBA whether they're using that or just, you know, for, for various reasons, we do a promo thread every week. Um, so, but that's in a context of community, right? Where people are engaging, are, are learning about each other, building trust. But there are kind of essentially, essentially listing services is what I'm talking about. But there isn't a place um, where, like Etsy, that I would recommend. 
The closest thing to Etsy for people who are doing like tarot and coaching, etc., usually is to essentially be a freelancer for somebody else's platform. Whether that is doing like tarot readings on like Purple Ocean or something like that. I mean, like that's like what that's what the phone lines are. That's what the video chat readings are. That that's what that is is essentially that version for Etsy. Um, but doing like freelance work like that or coaching for other people's programs, which I do think can be extremely powerful, especially for those of you who don't actually love the entrepreneurship part of running a business. Um, you know, we'll be hiring coaches probably in the next few years. I think that um, in the next few years, I meant <laughs> it was like next few months, <laughs> not in the next few years, probably within the next year. So, you know, there is a marketplace for people who have these skills and want to get out in front in that way. So I hope that's helpful. Um, so if I create a website on top of my Etsy for physical process products, is a website monthly charge worth it, you would say? I'm looking at Squarespace. I mean, that really depends on how much money you're making. And I think that, but I think ultimately the point is that if you leave people on Etsy and you grow your entire business there and people are trained to buy from Etsy, your fees on Etsy at some point, you can do the math probably pretty quickly are going to completely eclipse your your $12 a month at Squarespace or whatever it is. Um, yeah, it, I, this is more like a long-term thing. If you are building a business and your primary concern right now is money, you're like, I don't have any money. Um, that's why that's where things like Patreon come in and Etsy come in. They're essentially renting space to you, um, knowing that on the back end, they're going to get a huge amount in percentage fees. I'm always, always, always looking for flat rate fees when it comes to any software. Squarespace is a flat rate fee. They have different tiers, but it's flat rate. Um, I think that's really, really critical. Shopify, I think, has more functionality for web stores, um, also a flat rate. So. It's a bit of a bigger conversation, but essentially you can do the math and see how many sales do I need to make for um, the Etsy fees to equal the fees of just starting my own website. You could do it then. But like essentially long term, if you want a long term sustainable business, anything that is taking a percentage of your fees uh, of your revenue for me is just a fucking no go, um, because at some point that is going to massively over eclipse the um, the rate of just buying the right piece of software or setting up the website on the right place. So I hope that's helpful. I know it's like there's a couple moving pieces there, but ultimately, I mean, the only place where that's essentially non-negotiable is with credit card fees. Credit card fees are gonna always be a percentage. That's how that business is done. But keeping in mind that like you're paying credit card fees on top of your Patreon percentage, on top of your Etsy percentage, that's like in addition, we wanna minimize anything percentage-wise. Flat rate is almost always going to be better. All right. That was a lot about websites versus Etsy. <laughs> All right, how to deal with your biz when you don't have control over your time, can't quit my job for two years, thanks. Yeah, so deal with is a little bit vague and I'm just gonna kind of ask you, people listening at home to figure out what that means for you and person who submitted this question, what that means for you. Um, I'm gonna talk about this a little bit, I think in terms of time management, because I think that's really the core of it. It's like, I have to keep working for two years. I don't have any options. How do I keep this thing going? And there's a few kind of pieces to this. The first is that as much as I talk about loving big goals and taking massive action and like, you know, the kind of stuff that can be really motivating to help us get over inertia humps in our business. Ultimately, we have to also be realistic about what time and resources are available to you. This is the the super fun dance between, uh, you know, what is reality and possibility that we get to engage in as small business owners. So 
dealing with your business, I think the first step is really breaking down what time you do have control over, right? Uh, I know I know the person who submitted this. I know you work a lot. I know you work a lot of hours. I know that your small business also is busy. You're, you are busy. You are working. So one of the things that I find really helpful when my time starts to feel very scarce is to really is to like literally map it out. It can feel a little bit overwhelming, but it can become a really great routine to do once a week, maybe depending on how far out your schedule is set, maybe even once a month. And you can use something like a Google Calendar iCal, whatever you're using online, you can use paper planner, but essentially to make what is called a time blocking calendar. I did not invent this. I learned about it from Cal Newport, um, but a lot of people use it. I don't think Cal did not invent it either, to be fair. It's just it's just a method of essentially blocking out your time. Like maybe you did when you were in school. Um, you know, if you remember like being in high school and you like would have class from like eight to three and then maybe like a sport after from like three to five, then you had, you know, two hours to do your homework before dinner. When we have these, when we have like kind of more complex schedules where things are non-negotiable and maybe they're being enforced by exterior forces like parents, caregivers, teachers, bosses, we tend to naturally do this time blocking. But when it's our own business or we're doing things that are more self-directed, we tend, it becomes harder. There's a little bit more of like a scattered energy with our time. So getting realistic about what time is available, what time that you do have control over is going to be really helpful here because then you can decide what specifically you can deal with. And it may not be what you want. It may not be the level of output that you desire. It might not be the number of customers that you desire. And that has to be okay if your reality is that you don't have control over your time in the way that you want to and that you have a two years to plan for. So I think that this is the first step is really like blocking off and like writing, writing it down. I think it's really worth it, whether again, digital, physical, doesn't matter. So you can actually see the spaces that you do have in your schedule. I would also, with how much you're working, make sure you are blocking off that time off or those, those minutes off, those hours off, right? The breaks, put those in and then see what is left over for your business. And then making those dedicated focus times where you are working on specific critical activities, whether that is um, customer, like helping your customers and your clients, like doing client work, whether that is lead generation, whether that is continuing education, whatever those things are, that those blocks of time have a clear assignment and that you do that ahead of time. I tend to do this on Sunday night or Monday mornings for the week ahead. Um, You can do it again for the entire month at once. But the idea being that if you have one hour a week to work on your business, Okay, you've got one hour a week. What is the task that will move your business forward during that time? That's the question to ask yourself here, right? Because what I'm imagining you're trying to do if you can't quit your job for two years is to set yourself up to be ready to quit your job in two years. And if you know that's the goal, I'm making assumptions based on the way you you framed your question. If you know that's the goal, then you can reverse engineer and say, what steps can I take in my one hour this week to help me get closer to that goal? right? For you, that might be setting up systems so that you can hire people to work with you, right? So you can go into more of an agency model. This person does a lot of service, um, done for you service work. Um, That might be, you know, figuring out if you do want to have some kind of semi-passive income stream and building that out. But essentially, when you don't have control over your time, the key is to figure out where you do have control over your time and to give yourself that gift of being realistic about it and figuring out and assigning that time specific tasks. So you're not sitting down and saying, oh, it's my hour to work on my business and twiddling your thumbs. You should already know what you're doing before that time comes. Um, And I think critical part here, 
when you are really busy, again, making sure that you are putting the time off in your schedule first. Um, having a full-time job and running a business on top of that, it's going to be very easy to have no time off uh, to say, oh, I'll just work every night this week. That's not going to be sustainable. It's probably not going to last for two years. That's going to, that, that, that's a burnout recipe, right? So having some clear boundaries and then seeing what time is left over. This is a little bit different than a lot of business advice, which is essentially, you know, schedule your business stuff first, make it your priority, right? But if you really don't have control over your time and you really have, you know, you're, you're working full time, I think it can be a lot more compassionate to come at it from the other direction and say, my business has to fit into what's left over. And I think that's okay. So I hope that gives you some stuff to work on. Essentially, mapping out your time is going to give you a lot more freedom because you won't have the... Um, the, the, un, the lack of clarity about what to do when you do have free time. And um, yeah, I think that can be really helpful. And also making sure then that your goals are based off of what that long-term goal is. If that is quitting your job in two years, what do you need to do now that's going to get you there? Alrighty. How do you manage nerves about promoting your work on social media, self-confidence issues? Okay, so there's a few pieces here. I think the first is is getting to the core of what that self-confidence issue is. The person who submitted this, you remember the Holistic Business Academy, so I'm going to send you back into the What Are Beliefs lesson because this is a really great place to do belief work. And the kinds of questions I would start to ask yourself are, what are you assuming is going to happen? What are you afraid is going to happen if you promote it? What is the projection that you are creating of, of that result, the assumption that you are making that is making you feel less confident. Because usually the key here when we're trying to kind of figure out what pattern our brain is running around something like, like a lack of self-confidence is that our brain isn't thinking, I'm not confident, right? That is you kind of assigning a, um, a diagnosis, if you will, a, a, a definition to the experience you're having. The brain, like you're probably thinking something else, like, Oh, if I put myself out there, I'm going to get in trouble. Ooh, that's juicy. Why, why are you going to get in trouble? What, when have you, have you gotten in trouble in the past when you have put yourself out there? A lot of these patterns are things that are created when we're younger. Um, they are coping mechanisms in childhood often. New ones can develop as we get older, especially if we go through more traumatic experiences um, or kind of things that forced us to create kind of weird habits in terms of like certain work environments and things like that. But ultimately, you know, that's like the first layer here is to peel it back and kind of figure out what is the belief, habit, pattern, thought that is that is driving this, quote, self-confidence issues and run that through the belief work method to start to slowly shift it. That's an important piece because I can give you like tips and tricks on managing nerves, but ultimately that is going to shift when you start to shift the way that you are interacting with this experience of being nervous and understanding it differently and starting to see where your brain might be able to create some new habits and new pathways around it. Um, from a practical perspective, I think there's a few things. Um, folks who get really nervous promoting, usually there is some, there is usually some dogma or some belief around promoting being bad, slimy, skeezy, or dangerous, depending on your, your past experiences. So I really am going to encourage you to look at that um, in that context and be mindful of what you kind of bring up. Sometimes that is work that is better done with a therapist, depending on your, your life experiences and, and what that brings up for you. So be mindful of that, please. I encourage you to get the help you need um, if that starts to 
um, bring up some deeper challenges that need um, therapeutic support. Um, but there's a few kind of like things that can help. The first is making sure that you have some way to reaffirm the effect that your work has on the world. Um, having case studies, testimonials, feedback, nice notes. Uh, our brains very naturally go towards the negative. That is one of our survival mechanisms, this negativity bias. Um, creating a positivity bias, <laughs> essentially before maybe sitting down to promote your work, before writing the post, before like pressing play on it, can be really helpful. A lot of my students keep folders on their computers or like post-it notes or something that reminds them of nice things people have said about them. <laughs> nice things people have said about their work. Oh, I love this thing. Oh, this was so helpful. And that just reading those can help to shift out of that negativity bias, maybe shift some of the story about the nerves and the, and the um, self-confidence and give you a different frame of mind when you are actually sitting down to promote. A few other things. Um, for some people, this really depends. This, so this is a choose your own adventure with your self-knowledge. For some people, pre-scheduling everything and then ignoring it is the easiest way to do it. For others, pre-scheduling creates more anxiety because they're worried about when it's going to come out. So sitting down and just doing it in the moment is what's best. I know I literally just said two completely opposite things, but I think they really help people with different experiences and different, um, different mindset challenges. So I would check in with yourself and say, okay, would I feel better knowing I literally don't have to pay attention to this again because it's all pre-scheduled, all pre-written, all done? Or does that bring up anxiety and I would feel better doing it in the moment? I tend to feel better in the moment, personally. Pre-scheduling stuff makes me feel nervous. It gives me more time to worry that I made a mistake, that there's a typo, that I did something stupid, that I'm going to like, whatever. Like my brain gets a little bit more, a little bit more down the rabbit hole, if you will, when I am doing things in advance. So I'm more of an of the moment person. But I know not everyone is. I know a lot of people feel better when things are planned and clear and uh, especially customer facing things. OK. Yeah. So Ash Gravity says pre-scheduling makes me so anxious. Totally. Right. It makes me anxious. There are things I love to have pre-planned. Don't get me wrong. I have a lot of very clear goals and a lot of clear planning and projects and systems in place. But when it comes to something like scheduling things, even like scheduling emails, scheduling posts on social media in particular, though, makes me fucking nervous. So I don't do it that much. However, I definitely have people for whom getting it done in advance makes them feel so much better. I had a student recently who scheduled an entire month's worth of social media posts and was just like relieved. I could see it on their face. So this is a know yourself. Either one of those quote hacks, <laughs> they're not really hacks, just strategies, will work for you depending on how you relate to social media. This person says, interesting, pre-scheduling makes me less anxious. Exactly, right? Pre-scheduling makes me less anxious. There you go. So that is, that's exactly what I'm saying. It really depends on the person. Um, and I think that that's, that, like, that's always like any advice that I give or anybody else, like filtering it through is um, your, who you are is critical. Uh, let's see, Lisa says, it's just the time it involves. It does involve time. And I think this is maybe a second piece of it, which is... What is the expectation you are setting about your promoting your work on social media? Um, again, I kind of I, I kind of ask, like, what is your um, you know, what is your internal representation? What are you seeing? What are you projecting when you sit down to do this and it makes you feel nervous? But maybe you might be trying to do too much, <laughs> create too much different kinds of content, try too many strategies at once, get things too perfect, schedule too much in advance. 
I would try to, I might look at narrowing down how much you're trying to do, especially if it is making you bringing up nerves. Maybe it's one post a week for now, right? The, working slowly to shift this relationship is going to bring you greater results down the road than trying to force your way through now. I actually talked about this a little bit on the podcast that'll be out next week. We have kind of a cultural aversion to delayed gratification. Maybe we have a human aversion to delayed gratification. And if this is kind of a deep-rooted challenge for you, lowering the bar a little bit might be a really nice way to make it a little bit easier as well. So those are a few different strategies. Belief work inside of HBAs I think is really critical here because um, this is a habit, a pattern that is playing out um, and most likely not really related to the actual results that you're getting on social media. Sometimes that does happen, right? Sometimes I definitely work with clients who've had really bad social media experiences. That can be a challenge. Um, but there's this, a lot of times we're kind of projecting that that's like what anxiety and nerves is, right? We're projecting into the future based off of the past or based off of our experience of the past hasn't happened yet. So we're making assumptions. So we got to look at that. That's a belief work piece. Um, if you like pre-scheduling, if that feels better, do it or don't do it right. And know yourself experience when it comes to how you approach making content and doing social media. I find it a lot easier to fly by the seat of my pants. I finally have just admitted that in the past few months It's working great. Other people, that is terrifying. So know yourself and adjust your strategy accordingly. Um, look at that. Uh, look at that super juicy feedback. Give yourself like a, a hype file <laughs> or have a friend that'll hype you up. You know, get, get yourself some some delightful, beautiful, um, juicy, exciting, tasty stuff that you can shift your perspective on and then maybe reassess how much work you're putting in. Because if the nerves are really big, chances are you might be trying to take some steps that are a little too far outside the comfort zone. We wanna be on that growing edge with our business, right? Pushing it out, exploring, playing, but not necessarily kicking ourselves, you know, far out to sea when we don't know how to swim yet. So testing that a little bit. Now someone asked, is it weird to suddenly post a testimonial of a new service you're offering that hasn't been known yet? I feel like I probably need more context um, that might it's kind of probably outside of what we can look at today, but I'd say that generally, um, you know, posting case studies should be done in context in the sense that like, I don't think the offer specifically matters so much, um, but usually I would be doing that kind of prior to a launch of an offer, but like tied to selling it. But people probably need to know a little bit about your work for that to be super useful to them. Because like, I mean, basically testimonials that are just like, this person is awesome. Those aren't really useful. They need to be in context. This got me this kind of result. Do you want this kind of result? Here's how you get this kind of thing. So um, I think that usually some context around what the work is, um, you know, and having testimonials as part of social media can be really powerful. Um, but I would want to, I would want that to be in context rather than just like the only thing on your page is a testimonial because that doesn't really give anybody any information about the work. Um, but the best case studies and testimonials help people to decide whether or not work is a good fit. So I, I think that they can be great. I'd say just one thing I see people do a lot is post these like super long quote blocks with like tiny font of testimonials. No one's reading those. Um, be, be practical here. Take a poll quote, something short and sweet. If you have a video, even better. I tend to do live, Instagram lives for testimonials. You're gonna see a bunch of them over the next few weeks as we um, launch HBA. Um, I think video is better if you can, but like, don't like be mindful. Like people are not reading like a paragraph long testimonial on Instagram at all. Pull the quote block. And um, yeah, 
I just like keep it concise and transformation focused. So somebody asked, said, I, um, I think it was along the lines of, I'm sorry, I don't know why it got deleted from fucking Instagram. Um, something along the lines of, I hate making infographics. Can I still promote on social media? And the short answer is sure. <laughs> Fuck infographics. That sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> I've never made an infographic in my life. <laughs> um, is but yeah, I, this person's talking about kind of doing these like sliders that have like all these different pieces to it. I mean, here's the deal, right? Social media is like the most important thing with social media is consistency that works for you. Consistency doesn't have to mean every day. Consistency can be whatever the fuck it means to you, but you do need to do some level of consistency. But you get to choose your own adventure there. And what your audience relates to, what they respond to. Um, and that doesn't have to be infographics. Oh, yeah, I think the question was, I'm trying to remember it, like, in my head, because it was, I love the way it was phrased. Something like, I hate making infographics. Can I still be successful on social media or something? And look, I don't, I was like, I don't even know how many of my students even use infographics. Like, these kind of, like, long sliders. Um, there are some, there is some data showing that, um, Instagram posts with better sliders, like with multiple images, tend to be more, um, have higher engagement, which makes sense because people are swiping, right? That's why people do it, uh, is to keep you on their post longer for the algorithm. But like, I gotta be honest, every time I've posted one of those, like no one fucking cares. <laughs> that content doesn't work for me. Now it works for a lot of businesses, but it doesn't work for me. So I think my key takeaway I want to say with this, and this is actually a lot of what we're going to be talking about in our free training, um, attracting ideal customers without doing all the things, is that like what works for someone else or what somebody tells you to do may not work for you. And I want to be clear on this, like all of the strategies that are taught do work on some level, but the intersection of like your skills, your audience, what you enjoy doing means that like some of the like tips, they may not be for you. So yes, you can definitely be successful on social media. You know, my question is always like, what does that mean to you, right? Like, I don't give a fuck how many followers I have. I'm here to make money and help people. Like, my 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 number targets are revenue, not follower counts. That that really doesn't matter to me. Um, but so successful as in like converting to customers. That that is what I would say would be being successful on social media. And you can definitely do that without making fancy fucking infographics or like. 10 slide, whatever, whatever's honestly, every time I do them, they like never fucking convert. No one cares. <laughs> like with, the, with some of our lowest engagement on those. Um, and that I know is different than a lot of people. So the key for social media is going to be testing out different stuff and seeing what you enjoy. The problem comes with the testing. Often we get demoralized, distracted, overwhelmed by testing. Um, it's really the most important thing in business is testing. That's, it's all a test. You, you never know what's going to work and what's not until you have done it enough times to have enough data and to improve your skill set enough that it does start to work. So sure, you can definitely be successful without infographic slider, whatever the whatever's on Instagram. There are people who are extremely successful who have never made a fucking reel. Good for you guys. <laughs> people who have never done a slider, people who have never done an IG live, people who only do IG lives, doesn't matter. Um, I said this at the beginning, so I'll say it again. The platform is not the strategy. And that's true. Like the slider is not the strategy. The strategy is the communication that you're doing in that. What do they need to know in order to invest with you? What do they need to understand? What do they need to see as being possible? That's what matters. 
And you can do that in any fucking format. It doesn't matter. It's one of the reasons I actually, I mean, we do talk about specific social media platforms inside of HBA, but I don't teach social media because it doesn't fucking matter. Communication skills, marketing and sales doesn't change. The platforms change. The foundational skills do not. So when you understand how those skills work, how to communicate effectively, then you can apply them to any platform. And that's critical because these platforms change all the fucking time. People are using TikTok for business successfully now. Awesome. If you had said that two years ago, most people would have thought that you were full of shit, right? And yes, you have to apply it to the platform. How you communicate on TikTok is different than how you communicate on an Instagram Live. But ultimately, learning how to communicate matters more than whether or not you're making an infographic slider. And if you learn those skills, which is not the same as learning. I mean, I use when I mean like they are strategic skills, but instead of like learning like like, I don't know, a hashtag strategy or like how to make infographics to convert or something. That's probably a freebie out there on the Internet. Right. I'm sure it is. Instead of learning the, the, the strategy, like that nugget, that slice of strategy, focus on the communication skills beneath it. Why does that work? What about that is working and what's happening when that does work? is that people are communicating some information that their customers need to understand in order to be able to invest with them. The the education is in service of overcoming a misunderstanding, a belief, an educational deficit with respect to their offer. And that can be done in any way. In fact, that's like uh, 60% of marketing probably (laughs) is doing that in different ways. So there's my take on that. All right, y'all, that's enough for today. I have got to move on with my life, but it's been a pleasure being here with you live. And thank you for your patience while I was trying to remember what that question was since Instagram deleted it. If you want to go deeper, you want to know more, you want to actually learn those foundations I was just talking about instead of chasing shiny strategic objects across the internet, uh, you should come to my free training on July 13th. It is called Attract, what is it called? They love when I can't remember my own shit. That's my favorite. Lest you think you need to be perfect to have a successful business, you do not. Um, This is why I write things down. Attract ideal customers without doing all the things because y'all are too fucking busy and you're on too many social media platforms. (laughs) That's the key takeaway. Do less, but do it better. Um, We need to learn how to focus on the things that are going to actually move the needle in your business, help you generate revenue, help you impact more people. We're going to be talking about that in the free training. You can register at holisticbusinessacademy.com forward slash attract or just hit the link in my bio. And uh, I will see you all there live. It's going to be a fucking blast. Um, And we'll be reopening the doors to the Holistic Business Academy soon. So keep an eye out for that. Thank you so much for being here live. If you're catching the replay or listening on the podcast, thank you for checking it out. We will be back here next week because how Free Coaching Thursday works is every Wednesday on Instagram at Sarah M. Chapel. We post a sticker box, sticker box, question box. You know what I'm talking about in my Instagram stories, letting you know that you can drop your business questions there. On Thursday, I go live and answer your questions. So come and ask some questions. All right. I will see you all later. Thank you to everyone who submitted questions. I appreciate you so much. Bye for now.